Welcome to the BuckyCast, folks. John here with you for another another week. We finally wrapped up spring football. Pretty much wrapped up the 2022-2023 sports season for Wisconsin. Uh, there's some miscellaneous sports still playing. The softball team is still playing barely. Uh, but for the most part, everything's in off-season mode right now. Spring schedules are all wound up. And tonight on the show, I have a special guest returning to his home stomping grounds. Justin Jolka, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing tonight, John? Well, I'm I'm podcasting, so <laughs> I'm I'm still alive. That's yeah. that's how I look at it. Makes me happy. All right, let's launch right into this thing. We've got, like I said, we've got a little bit of softball news, a little bit of men's basketball recruiting news, and then we're going to get into the Badgers. Talk about uh, the end of spring practice. Throw a few questions out there. The NFL draft happened this last weekend. So we've got some Badgers to talk about who went in the NFL draft. And uh, we've also got a small amount of recruiting news. Transfer portal has finally closed up as well. So that the, the comings and goings we'll, we'll tell you all about. Uh, let's start off with softball. Uh, softball's had a rough go of it lately, and it did not get any better this last week. Uh, they got swept by Minnesota, nine uh, nothing and seven nothing. That's sixteen to nothing, folks. For anyone who's keeping track, <laughs> uh, the Badgers softball team lately has had a really hard time scoring runs, and they had an awful time against Minnesota. So that was no good. And then there's their uh, series, three game series against Maryland, kind of didn't go as planned either. They did manage to score a one nothing shutout win, um, which goes to show they seem to only be able to win now if they can hold the opponent to one or fewer runs. Um, so that was the one win. Uh, then they lost 2-3. Um, so another, another one-run loss, not a lot of offense. And then their final game was rained out. So they're coming back home this weekend. Final regular season series uh, home against Iowa here uh, on May 5th through the 7th. And then it's the Big Ten tournament. And unless they do really well in the Big Ten tournament, that's pretty much going to be the end of the season. Sucks. It was a really promising start. They were right up there and uh, a half game back in uh, first, and then the wheels just fell completely off. But, you know, such is life. Uh, we'll bring you the wrap-up of that uh, later on this month. But, um, yeah, it, it sucks for them to go out this way. Um, Kayla Conwent, who is, you know, been here for, for at least a decade, uh, she's going out as the all-time home runs leader. Uh, Maddie Schwartz, who's a really good pitcher, uh, this is her final year. And Katie Keller, who transferred in um, the number two all-time in doubles in NCAA uh, history, is also going to be uh, done with her eligibility. So I'm really curious to see how they reload there. All right, let's switch to the, the big sports now. We have no other sports news of note, nothing for men's or women's hockey, um, but men's basketball. Uh, just in the last couple of days, uh, Greg Gard and staff, as they're prone to do, uh, just decided, let's throw out some offers. Just, you know, at random. I, I hadn't even heard any smoke on two of the three guys, and they just tossed him scallies. Justin, um, you, you know these guys, any of them? <laughs> I, I haven't dug in too deep, but it's I find it interesting that positions that they're targeting are power forward and shooting guard. 
that they they went out with. And I'm, you know, my look at it kind of this is that the biggest position of need heading into this this next one is going to be point guard. Unless they really feel that Blackwell is a guy that can end up playing a, a you know, a starting point guard down the road. I don't know if we have anybody to really fill that role. Um, size, I think, yeah, they're definitely going to have to backfill. Um, these guys, I have to dig a little deeper into them, to be quite honest, because they, they kind of dropped them in my lap here in the last week, and I wasn't expecting it. Hannah, I know, is the big one that is everyone's kind of locked in on. You know, yeah, Debbie comes- on Hannah has already has had an offer for a while now. He's the one everyone wants. It sounds like Wisconsin's leading on him. Yeah. Um, Hopefully they can close that one down because he is a game changer for Wisconsin if they can lock him down. He is the type of athlete we don't get. I was I was a little surprised to see uh, Kai Rogers, the uh, center from um, oh goodness, where is he from? Milwaukee area. Wauwatosa, something like that. Yeah, in state, in state recruit. Uh, Six ten center. Yeah, he's he's another guy. He's one of their A list. So he's a guy that they they to be quite honest they need to lock him down because he's he offers something that we don't traditionally get at center, and which not, is some shot blocking and some some ability to be physical in the paint and not very highly ranked either, um, which was, was kind of surprised me. I thought he was a sure four star, but he's not yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, these other players, uh, Jalen Harris, yeah, Jalen Harrison, six five shooting guard out of Fishers, Indiana, top ten prospect. Unless we're willing to back up a dump truck full of money to his door, um, I'm pretty sure we're not. And that's no no knock on him and his family. Uh, that's just how things work now. Yeah. Um, I don't think we're going to get him. Uh, if we do, uh, Greg Gard deserves a medal yeah. <laughs> and a ceremony and a statue. Yeah, I have uh, a hard time believing that he's going to take a look at Wisconsin and go, you know what, that all the history and – and greatness that has come out of the shooting guard position at Wisconsin. I need to be the next in line for that. But well, hey, I'll take it gladly if he chooses to do so. Hey, he'll be standing at the exit to the Cole Center. He and Greg Gard will be shaking hands, and Tom Izzo will step out from behind a column, <laughs> just like in a spy movie. Open the car. Like, he'll just pull up front and open the car door and be like, "Yeah, he's, he's the driver." <laughs> All right, hi, hi, Greg. See you later. <laughs> Greg Gard kicks at the ground and discouragedly walks away. Uh, the other uh, player they offered out of Indiana from Heritage Hills High School, which is in Lincoln City, Indiana. I have no clue where that is, people. Uh, Trent Sisley. Trent Sisley, a power forward, only 6'7", but he could grow. Uh, another kid that, you know, Wisconsin traditionally does not uh, get a shot at. Mm-hmm. So these those were the two offers that kind of came out of the blue. Yeah, Wisconsin chasing after some higher ranked guys. It's it's interesting, but it's until we actually can see some us make some progress in that realm, it's hard to really get too excited about it. Yeah, I, I like seeing more offers go out. I just like would, would like to see the big thing for me in, in the way that we're recruiting when it comes to basketball. It's not who we're targeting necessarily. It's the skill sets I want to see that we're targeting that I want to see us kind of step out of our comfort zone. Because we tend to be chasing a lot of shooters recently mm-hmm. and guys who have, they don't necessarily, like our bigs don't necessarily be got, depend, tend to be guys who are, you know, heavy on the grunt work. You know, they're not big rebounders. We're not, we're not grabbing shot blockers. We're not getting guys who protect the paint. Um, you know, from a power forward standpoint, we seem to be, I, 
I would say Wall is a little bit more of a jack of all trades kind of there. He's a guy who does a little bit of everything except really shoot the three. And that's one of those things where you look, I would be surprised if at some point we don't start targeting more of a traditional back to the basket power forward or go straight up stretch four. And that seems to be where they're heading with Nolan Winter, at least. I know yeah. that their plan for him. I mean, he's he's never going to be 250 pounds. So no. he's probably but if you can get him at 235, gonna... I think he can do a heck of a job with the athleticism that he has. Yeah. Uh, the other offer that went out, EJ Walker, who actually the Badgers have been have been kicking the tires on for a while here. He's out of Lloyd High School, which is in Erlanger, Kentucky. Again, no idea where it is, but, you know, Kentucky, Indiana, it doesn't matter. You could have a town of 400 people and it could produce an NBA star. Mm-hmm. So um, Walker, uh, Minnesota actually has been on him for a while. I noticed when I was looking through his, um, his offer list, uh, they've been on him since last year. So uh, interesting that the Badgers decided to take a shot at him this late in the game. But you know what? Uh, Minnesota is a massive dumpster fire right now anyway. So, and that seemed to be the heaviest competition we might have. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, Walker is more of a, 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 a shooting power forward. Um, like Justin was talking about, doesn't seem to be a real big banger in terms of like his body size, you know, 6'8", 210 maybe. Um, but those types of players have a place in Wisconsin's system. Um, so we're going to, well, we're in wait and see mode on all these players. Hopefully mm-hmm. they don't, you know, get late in the process next, a year from now and suddenly get a huge offer from say Michigan state. Actually two of these guys already have offers from Michigan yeah. state. So that's the other. <laughs> True. And I, th- I think we'd agree that the, the top guys that they're, we're, we're likely looking at are Rogers and Hannah. Those are the two guys that Wisconsin has deemed the guys that they have to have. Um, then, and I would be shocked, like I said, again, if we don't target a point guard in another slots, then it comes down to how many spots do you really think we have? And probably a guy to keep an eye on there is Mason Clavo. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. of, in- it's one of the Dakotas. It's the Dakota area. I'm just going to call it that. I think it's North Dakota. He's I- out of um, taller point guard, but that seems to be the guy that they're probably going to wind up settling with. We'll see if they send out some more offers. They're prone to doing this. I think last year was this was around the time when they started sending out offers to JT Rock and all these other guys. So, yeah, it's the the April evaluation period just ended, so we're going to see some of the offers come out. Probably more come out in July after that happens again. So we'll be interested yep. to see who else they go after. Yeah, it's hard to believe we're we're two recruiting classes ahead of where the incoming recruiting class is already in basketball. I guess it's been that way for a long time, but it's mm-hmm. still funny that, you know, it's like time to evaluate those freshmen, you know, <laughs> get those sophomores in the, in the gym. Let's go. Like, man, those kids aren't even done growing yet. Mm-hmm. Basketball is so. a little easier to project the athleticism compared to uh football where you just don't know how kids are going to add weight. Noble days would disagree with you, yeah. but um, anyway, God, there's a name I dug up out of my Deep, deep memory. <laughs> um, okay, let's move on to football here. Um, there's a lot, actually a fair bit to talk about with football because, like I said before, uh, spring football camp has finally wound up. Um, NFL draft took place. Transfer portal closed up. Um, it's getting to the point where if you haven't offered a kid for the 2024 season who's like higher rank, like high three stars and above, you're probably too late to the game at this point. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, let's start off with the NFL draft. Um, three guys, three Wisconsin Badgers chosen in the NFL draft. Uh, Joe Tippmann, the center who entered a year early, goes in the second round to the Jets. Keanu Benton, uh, our nose tackle, goes to the Steelers in the second round. And then Nick Herbig, the uh, edge rusher slash linebacker, goes to the Steelers in the fourth round. Justin, what did you think? Um, Tippmann and, and Benton were both getting talk like right before the draft. They might sneak into the bottom of the first round. They still went plenty high. Do you think they were drafted in the right spot? I think Benton has got future Pro Bowler written all over him. I think people were undervaluing him, his stock the whole time. Um, when when you have an NFL talking head and Mel Kiper talk about his lack of pass rush, it screams that I have not watched what a nose guard <laughs> looks like in a 3-4 before. This is the part yes, of the show where Justin hits up Mel Kiper for a few yeah. punches. He... <laughs> He had four and a half sacks as a nose guard in a three, four. Like that is a, about as optimum of a stat pack as you can get from that position. Um, honestly, anything over two is would be considered a, a great pass rush season for that position normally. Now, if you're talking about him as a four, three defensive end, yeah, you, you expect more. Like you'd expect him to have six, seven, eight sacks, but that's not what Ben's going to be. And I think that, the Steelers are a really good position for him. He's going to have an absolute beast next to him in TJ Watt. Um, Nick Herbig is going to be really interesting. I need to see his skill set work in the NFL. It's just a different game. And I need to see, I, I know he'll work his butt off. I just am curious to see if they depend, if they plan on keeping him as an edge or if they want to kind of convert him into the middle. I It will be really odd if we see him get put into that spot because I think instinctually you have to wonder if that will translate because he's been basically pin your ears and go. I, I think he's a bit of a tweener. Uh, you know, he's just, he's, he can't survive in the NFL as an edge rusher unless he gains about 20 pounds. Yeah. I mean, but then again, he doesn't necessarily need to be an edge rusher. He can blitz. He's athletic enough where he can drop into coverage. Um, we just haven't seen it. And obviously he didn't play inside linebacker, so he's going to have to figure that part of it out. But it's sort of a boundary outside linebacker. It would really be better for him if he was in a 4-3, I think, almost, as like a strong yeah, side linebacker. Outside but, you know, the Steelers have done marvelous work with a ton of linebackers that they've picked since going back to the 90s. So let's see what Mike Tomlin can do with them. Yeah, I, I trust them. Like, they're one of the teams that – I really trust when they when they pick a defensive player, it, it feels like it's kind of them christening you as, yeah, we we believe in in your yeah. skill set. Uh, Joe Tittman gets to uh, have his butt squeezed by Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> um, that's got to be promising, unless he moves to guard, and then hopefully he doesn't get his butt. We'll squeezed see. It Rogers. seems it would seem odd. I guess it is a second round pick, but I I feel like unless you need to move him, I don't understand converting him. But if you like the skill set and you like the athleticism, and he he does actually project pretty well athletically at, at any of those interior spots, um, could very well be you know a guard. I I don't doubt that, but I, I think you like it's more of a premium to me if you put him at center. Joe Tippman was one of those guys who kind of sneakily snuck up on people and got in the NFL draft. He was never dominant at Wisconsin. Yeah, I didn't think so either. I was kind of shocked when he was getting this type of of talk about where they where they were projecting him in the draft it seemed 
kind of out of place to me. Like I figured that he'd be fourth or fifth round pick. Now that's that's no slight to him. It's just I didn't feel like the interior of our offensive line was that dominant this last year that you could look at it and be like, yeah, they were just shoving guys around. And I I have to wonder if they're if this is again they're projecting because for a six six guy who's playing on the interior, he's got a heck of a lot of bend to him. Yeah. He can move really well. Um, you know, that's that's something he didn't necessarily have to do a lot of. He also had some weak guard play next to him on either mm. side. So yeah, I've you hope that you hope he doesn't bust. I think um, the other part of it is we've seen a lot of these guys that Wisconsin had lately who are in the fourth or fifth round turn into guys who are putting piecing together some really nice NFL careers mm-hmm. where they kind of look at it and it's like, well, maybe they didn't really squeeze out, you know, he's not as refined as what we would have expected. And there's actually a lot of untapped potential there because we're seeing so many of these guys end up signing big deals and they're guys who came out of Wisconsin, probably less heralded than they came in. Yeah, and that's been a Wisconsin trademark. It was just those guys used to turn into second and third and first round mm-hmm. picks instead of fourth, fifth, sixth round picks. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, you know, David Edwards has carved out a good career for himself. Michael Dieter is still going strong. Uh, mm-hmm. Guys from recent times. But there's also been a little bit of a dry spot. I mean, Cole Van Lannen hasn't set the world on fire either. And, um, you know, he was a four-star, like almost can't miss guy coming out of high school. Uh, former number one prospect in Wisconsin, uh, mm-hmm. Tipman, another former four star, but we'll we're gonna find out. I don't think he's gonna bust um, because just because of his movement skills, but it is the Jets. So I we think have to, we yeah, have to take I, that into account. I'll, I'll be surprised if he doesn't have a six seven year career. I think that Wisconsin that's that seems to be the way it is. Whether he becomes a depth piece or he's a nice starter or just a guy, I, I think he'll stick. I think he's got the projectable, you know, physical tools to be able to hold on in the NFL. All right. Well, let's switch over to spring practice. Um, Our spring practice takeaways. Ah, Spring practice was kind of a roller coaster ride because we had all the hype going up to the spring scrimmage. And then we had the miserable weather and Tanner Mordecai throwing the ball to every player with a defensive jersey. Um, it was, it was miserable conditions. Braylon Allen had a great spring game. Um, obviously most of the defense had a great spring game. Um, but you know, for the most part, it was kind of, it was, it was kind of a disappointing thing. The weather prevented there from being a bigger crowd. I think there would have been twice as many people if there had been nicer weather. Yeah, I agree with that. I Um, think we definitely would add 20 K there. And on top, and then you add the two. I, I feel like the two practices after the spring scrimmage are kind of anticlimactic. I don't really know why they decided to do that as as a thing afterwards, unless he's just trying to make adjustments from the spring scrimmage. Yeah, I think it had more to do with the fact that they they knew that they had to have this game on a Saturday, and the way that the schedule mapped out, it was just like, well, we're going to have two left over here because they're going to be midweek. So. It was an odd construction, but yeah. practice is now wrapped up. A um, couple of couple of items we'll talk about. Uh, first, Justin, what was your biggest surprise from, from practice? Uh, the the wide receiver room apparently is loaded to the brim with ta- more talent than we've ever seen at Wisconsin. Yes. Uh, honestly, I, I talked about it going into it, that I wouldn't be shocked if some of the guys who were starters last year were not starters 
this year. And I think a lot of people were like, no, that's not going to be the case. These guys are, I'm like, well, they had, this coaching staff has no loyalty to them. Like they, yes, they have put reps in, but they haven't played under this coaching staff to earn the trust that they're going to. And that that's where everyone was kind of at the same point. Um, and I felt like there were certain guys who I felt really confident in, in the physical tools coming in. CJ Williams was a big one for me. I, I just felt like from a physical tools standpoint, and I know there wasn't a lot of film on him from last year, but just watching his high school film, he really pops for some of the physical things that he can do. And it carried over when he got into camp here. Uh, I I will admit I was very surprised that uh, Pauling made the jump that he did. I, I didn't know a lot about him coming in, but the guy was apparently lights out, basically the all winter conditioning and then and then through camp through the almost the entire camp. So I think what the way we feel about this is that we wanted six guys that we felt confident in coming into the, the summer. And we probably have as many as maybe nine that we're looking at that we feel our guys, if we had to throw somebody in there that we we feel pretty comfortable with putting those guys in. Yeah, it's going to be really curious to see how Wisconsin manages that uh, snap count in terms of getting wider receivers and getting the playing time because they're all young too. I mean, all of them, every single one has an option to come back for next season. Yep. So, yeah, uh, I, I will be shocked if DK doesn't move on. I just think that it's going to be hard for him to keep that going another year with with some all the young talent that's kind of popping in that room for him. And if he has a, a solid season, it makes sense for him to, to jump into the draft because this room may cannibalize itself uh, with how well, many guys. And I won't be shocked if some guys end up, you know, transferring out as much as we don't want. Don't love that idea. Yeah, um, Shimmery DK especially to me, is an interesting case because he was a guy who's shown flashes the last three years. Virtually the entire roster for the last three mm -hmm. years, you could say that, has shown flashes. Mm -hmm. um, he, I believe he can be a, a number one receiver. I'm not going to say he's like an NFL first-round draft pick wide receiver. Obviously, that's not the case. But he has enough body control, size, and big playability that he could be great. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. He's an interesting one to me because I look at him and he's when we talk about jack of all trades, like I said, and with when it came to wall, that's kind of how I view Shmiri DK. I don't feel like there's any place that you look at him and you're like, he's exceptional at this. And I think that that's kind of what he's fighting with a little bit with some of the guys that are coming there who may not be as well rounded as him, but have certain areas or skills that they have that are just exceptional at. Like CJ Williams, he says, is a guy who's, who's really good at running a good route, being able to create separation and having great body control going up and get the ball. Uh, Pauling is great at creating separation. Bryson Green is a guy that if they can get him out there, has the type of physicality that nobody else in that receiver room has. So they have a calling card for him where DK is a little bit more of a, a little bit of everything. He doesn't have that one skill that you look at and be like, we can rely on him to, to win in this way but he has a lot of tools that if somebody's not capable of shutting him down, that he can make things happen. I remember his blocking being NFL level when he came in as a freshman. I was like, well, he, yeah. he may be, he may, he may not be able to do much else, but man, that kid can block. <laughs> so Maybe that's his exceptional ability. We'll yeah. find out. We'll find out. I don't think he'll be called the block well, as much. We'll be interesting. Yeah. It will be interesting to see how this staff looks at that in comparison to the previous staff. 
I think my biggest surprise coming out of the spring was that um, Nick Evers, uh, who was the first of the transfer quarterbacks to come in, the one everyone got really excited about, wound up being fifth on the depth chart uh, or tied for fourth at any rate. Yeah. Uh, that was not something I think anyone expected. Uh, once they got Tanner Mordecai, it was kind of expected he was going to be the backup. And then they brought in Braden Locke, who was sort of a, th- he wasn't a throwaway. He was a four-star quarterback in high school, but he was kind of a guy that everyone was like, wow, I can't believe, you know, we got a, a, a third four-star quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Braden Locke probably had the best camp of any of the of Wisconsin's quarterbacks. He definitely had the best spring scrimmage. Yeah, I, I, he had the best scrimmage. I think Mordecai was more con- was consistently better um, throughout there. His he just had such a train wreck of a, a spring game, but that's no slight to Braden Locke, who had a extremely good camp to the point where you feel like if if something were to happen to Mordecai where he had to sit out a couple of games, you'd be comfortable with Locke being out there as a starter and feeling like he can do positive things for this offense. Uh, Evers is really interesting to me because I look at it like I expected him to uh, like it didn't shock me that Locke had the the position over him but it did shock me that he did not push by the end of camp which which leads me to believe that hey you need to get your head on straight listen this is a business decision for him in that room he is the guy with the most physical tools of anyone if he wants it and he's willing to put the work in his ceiling is exceptionally high and this is a super QB friendly offense that he's going to be playing in. He's just got to put the work in, just bust your butt, get it done. And Hey, you, you're, I mean, nobody's really going to be counting on you unless something happens to Mordecai until next year, but you better be ready to, to go into camp next year and push lock or take it from them. But you need to prove it. Uh, biggest disappointment for you. Um, let me see. I would say probably right now, the, the one area that I'm a little concerned about, well, number one, Bryson green, not being able to see him get out there and play. Cause I was, he's one of the guys I was most excited to hear about has nothing to do with the skill set, everything to do with the fact that I was just hopeful that we get to hear some things about him. And it sounds like that room's in great shape, even without him, but I would love to see his, his talent out on the field. Um, the other one I would say would be I'm a little uncomfortable with cornerback depth at this point in time. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the young guys. It has everything to do with the fact that it's it's asking a lot for a true freshman to get thrown into the fire and perform at a high level consistently. Especially considering that they're probably going to see a lot more offense on the field considering how fast that Wisconsin's offense is going to operate. It's going to be interesting in that regard to me because I, I feel like there's some give and take with regards to how that's going to play out. I think I think it's overblown to an extent because we were so bad offensively the last few years in terms of being able to consistently piece together drives that we were getting back out on the field on defense a lot anyways. But, I, 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 I got to disagree because all those unsuccessful drives usually ate up like three or four minutes just on their own like some some of their three and outs were like epically long when you have a two and a half minute three and out uh, yeah yeah but, i um, mean i don't i mean that i guess in the aggregate it, it eventually adds up a lot of it to me strictly comes down to if you do a good job on defense and you're constantly throwing back in the offensive side 
you're going to be fine. If you're forcing three and outs, if your defense is a good defense, you'll be fine unless you're playing against a team that is just a beast on offense, which, hey, there's going to be Ohio State. That's definitely going to be a game where we're going to have – that defense is going to have to prove it. And that's a game where – that's one of the games. Like, I don't think we're going to see a huge difference for the bulk of their schedule. The games where it could become a problem are the games like Ohio State where they're capable of pushing our D our team offense off the field, but they're also capable of piecing together drives and, and gassing our, our defense by keeping them on the field. Uh, for my biggest disappointment, offensive line play, uh, the offensive line did not get settled like I wanted it to. Um, yeah. I, there's a, there's a lot of players there. It's almost as deep um, theoretically as the wide receiver core, but uh, Jake Renfro getting hurt, uh, early in spring camp was just not ideal. Renfro is the only true center on the roster. I realized Tanner Bordellini started at that position as a true freshman. But Bordellini and uh, Dylan Barrett and Joe Huber, who also tried out at center, none of them could snap accurately. We saw that in the spring scrimmage. Uh, there were a ton of plays that were short-circuited right at the very beginning in timing-wise mm-hmm. because Tanner Mordecai or Braylon, Braden Locke was trying to snag a uh, wayward snap so it's really important Renfro stays healthy but then from there you saw all sorts of different lineups whether that's just figuring out who works best at which position I don't know but outside of Jack Nelson and Riley Malman who are really the rocks the guard play again and I mentioned with Joe Tippman there was inconsistent guard play the last couple of years you know no one established themselves those guard spots Bordellini couldn't because he had to move and all the rest of them, you know, we've we've seen um, we've seen this show from a lot of these guys before. Huber, we don't know what to expect from. Um, Trey Wedig uh, played last year with with um, some some success. Michael Furtney, uh, it, you know, when Michael Furtney came back for his sixth year, I was shocked. Mm. I was I was really surprised, um, but. You know, he uh, or at least came back to Wisconsin. I thought he might transfer to a smaller like Mac school. But um, he was the starting right guard all through. It seemed like most of spring camp. Everyone else was rotating around and um, it didn't look good in the, in the spring scrimmage. I can tell you that much. They were having difficulties blocking. Yeah, they seem solid in the run game. But from the from in terms of pass blocking, it was problematic. Um, the way I kind of look at it with them, the interior of the line is is a little bit of a concern. Um, Huber, I actually like. I, I actually think Renfro is going to be a plus. I, I, the way I kind of look at it is right now, you're, you're kind of at a point where you're going to have to get those other guys ready to play some center. Now they have three, four months here where they can bust their butt every day, getting consistent with it. And getting better at it so they can prove it in fall camp and be ready to go. But somebody has got to figure that out. They have to have some one more than one person that if Renfro has something get, gets rolled up on or something that you're just your offense completely gets sidetracked with the inability to snap the football. If I was Wisconsin, I'd be looking for a backup center in the transfer portal, but I don't know how easy they are to find. So and I, I just don't know if you're gonna find somebody that's gonna be anything. What you're likely to find is a guy who's going to be less physical, have less physical tools, but may just have some experience. And I don't know if that's necessarily going to help you. Like, I think you're giving what you're giving up, man, to putting you in the same spot. 
Um, finally, uh, we go to offensive and defensive MVPs. Your offensive MVP, Justin. Um, well, I think it's going to probably be Tanner Mordecai for me. Um, he had probably the best camp from a starting quarterback since 2011 for Wisconsin. So it's hard not to be really high on him. There are numerous guys that you could pick for this spot. Uh, Will Pauling had an exceptional camp. You could go with Braylon Allen, you know, probably for this also. So and full disclosure, my offensive MVP is Braylon Allen. Yeah. There's the and and I think that he's gonna have a big year. He looks quick, he looked really good in the scrimmage. I, I think that the box how, opening up for him is gonna make a huge difference. Let me ask you, how weird is it? He loses weight and he seems less agile and fast, gains more weight this spring for this spring practice or this spring practice season and actually looks a little bit faster and more decisive now. I think what we're seeing is Brady Collins is a very different philosophical view of, of training for players. He's less concerned with a weight, more concerned with our, our, is your body maximized to your frame? Like from speed standpoint and everything else, he's looking at it strictly well, I don't care if you weigh 240 or 245 if you're carrying the weight well and you you know you're it's you're gain, getting gains from it. So if you're faster at 245 than you are at 235, all right, we'll just play at 245. You know, and I think they've done that with guys. Like that's what we're seeing with bowlers. Bowlers is a guy who put on 18 pounds and it's probably a better fit for him. I bet you he he kind of is a tweener, but he's probably closer to a, like a 4-3 defensive end than he is a straight-up outside linebacker prospect. He's a guy who can carry the weight, and he can carry it well and still translate that into power and speed. So no point in trying to get him to be at 250 and be weak. Uh, defensive MVP. Uh, there's a quite a few different spots. Alex Smith could be the guy for this one. Um, I think that the way I look at it, I think when, by the time the season ends, it's probably going to be Wollers because I think he's going to be just a freak show this year. Uh, it could be either one of the inside linebackers. I feel really strongly that those guys are going to have a big season too. There's a lot of bodies that you could put pick for this one. Well, in terms of in terms of the spring game, though, I'm, I've got to go with Ricardo Hallman. Yeah, I, I would agree uh, with Or that. in terms of the spring practice season, I mean, every time I read a practice report, his name popped up imme- almost yeah. immediately. He impressed everyone who watched the yeah. spring practice season. He was great in the spring. Obviously, he had three picks. So um, I'll be really curious to see if that translates to the fall. Yeah, and if he has that kind of, you know, success. Having two really good cornerbacks in the Big Ten is super, super important. It's interesting because he's he's getting all the headlines because of the plays, the ball hawking that he's done. But it's like, well, yeah, Alex Smith, nobody threw at him. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like they they both were good. It's just that Hallman did a better job of getting a hold of the football. Yeah, it's it's actually I I'm um, I'm curious to see if they add any more transfers if they're they're stronger transfers. We were really excited about last year's transfer cornerback class. Yeah, and it, it did not turn out the way we yeah, thought. It definitely underwhelmed. I <laughs> so, think, but uh, but we'll I think they did they did benefit from those guys being experienced. I just don't think that it ended up being the quality of play that we would have liked. Now I think they're going to have to add a body here. This is the one position that I look at. And well, I think say, they have to get two. Yeah. Uh, ideally, you'd like to get two, but I think you have to get at least one because if somebody goes down, you want somebody with experience. You don't want to be starting a true freshman. I'm not saying that those guys aren't going to play. I think 
both Jace Arnold and DeClona are going to get their four games in. I think they're going to probably play a lot of mop-up duty, and they're probably going to have some reps that they'll get in games that were up. But I I don't think you want them in a high-leverage situation where they have to be out there and you have to worry about them getting beat on a double move or something. Wisconsin's got a three-year gap in terms of its cornerback depth. I mean, none of their cornerbacks, unless Max Lofi takes an amazing – you know, 180 and just turns it around and is great in the nickel. Um, I mean, I'm not saying he's bad. He's been solid on special teams when he's been healthy. But um, that's a three-year gap of cornerbacks that they don't yeah. have anymore. And we'll get to that in just a second to explain yeah. why there's now a three-year gap. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear that this staff has a very different view of what they're targeting at in terms of cornerbacks. And and that's I think that kind of prefaces into your, your well, what we're going to discuss here in a second. But Amari Snowden's another guy that's coming yeah. in, and it'll be very interesting to see what they do with him. Ryan seems very locked in on the fact that he thinks that he's going to be a safety. I'm of the mind that I think that they will put him at cornerback until he proves that he can't play it. I think that that's just such a freaky skill set to put at that spot, that if he can turn his hips, you put him at cornerback in a heartbeat. Uh, moving moving on to the uh... – so the, with the end of spring camp and the way they've set up the transfer portal now, transfer portal basically ran, I think, from the start of camp until, you know, for Wisconsin, it was like three days after the end of the last practice. It was from the 15th through the 30th. Okay, well, it's a really, I feel like that's a really constricted space to put like players into in terms of, okay, you have two weeks to leave. Um, now in Colorado, that wasn't a problem because Dion <laughs> just, you know, took all the players the and just shoved them out the door. But um, for Wisconsin, the transfer portal leavings, uh, I already have talked about uh, Julius Davis leaving, but Spencer Lytle, who his career was uh, cut short by injury, um, or his potential at any rate was cut short by injury. I think he was injured every single year he was at Wisconsin. Yeah, he, he bounced had, around a little bit positionally, too, from yes, outside he was linebacker also bounced, inside. Yep. So he is now in the portal. Um he has one year of eligibility remaining. Uh, three different cornerbacks. So Al Ashford, who originally it was thought he was no longer on the team at the beginning of spring practice, mm-hmm. he said, "No, I'm just rehabbing." And then he went in the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there went Ryan Herring's other dream of, of <laughs> Al Ashford turning into a superstar cornerback because he was the tallest one we had. Uh, and then both of last year's freshman corners, uh, Avion Jones and Corey Lyde, both hit the portal. Corey Lyde never ever touched the ground really in terms yeah. of getting to Wisconsin. He was yeah, he was rehabbing he since here. last year. Yep. And um, you know, five foot nine. Uh, you know, he uh, there aren't going to be a lot of five foot nine cornerbacks anymore at Wisconsin. Yeah, the I think the only way you're going to see shorter guys is going to be slot. And yeah. that seems to be what they're looking at. That's what Matry is. Um, but if you're if you want to play corner at Wisconsin, 10. yeah. So he is if you want to play here now, it you you're probably gonna need to be at least five eleven. They probably would prefer you at six one. Um, but but if you look at the guys we are targeting at cornerback, he likes a lot of raw ball of clay guys. They are willing to coach you up in terms of technique and everything else, but they want athletes. And I think that that's the difference that we're seeing between what we previously had at the cornerback position where it was more, we, we tend to go more technique skilled guys who maybe had a higher floor, but lower ceiling. And now they're like, we'll take the low floor. But if you, if these guys pop, 
they turn into a, a first round draft pick type corner. And then we also had um, I just yesterday uh, at the last moment, Marshall Howe, who's a walk on, uh, decided to enter the transfer portal. He's an interesting story. He was a true freshman walk on last year who may have been close to getting playing time. He was the third string quarterback during the spring scrimmage and the latter part of camp. And then I think just realized, you know what, I can get a scally somewhere and actually start at quarterback as a redshirt freshman. And now he's in the portal. Yeah, that's actually exactly what I, I figured with this is that I think that he knows the writings on the wall with what we have coming in at, at quarterback. You know, you look at it, he's got Locke in front of him, no matter what. Locke just performed at a higher level than he did. And, and if Evers, if it clicks, he's coming in. And then you have Cola Crew and, you know, uh, our in-state kid. Yeah, Miles um, Burkett. And then you have, you know, Mabry Mature coming in next year. So there are so many bodies that are going to be in that room. And you look at it from the standpoint for him, he had a really good spring. I'm sure the coaches are going to go to bat for him. He's a guy I could see going to a MAC team and starting and having a nice career. Or going like, to I think the he goes belt. Down. Go to yeah. the fun belt and throw yeah. 3,000 yards every year. Exactly. I think that he can go down to a group of five team, and I think that he can be a productive starter. I think he's, he's that talented that he can do it. I mean, he was a three-star kid that we, we had walk on. So, you know, I think there's some tools there. I think the biggest takeaway that I saw when I watched the difference between him and the other quarterbacks, he just doesn't have the RPMs on the, the deep out. So when, he, when he's thrown across the hash, like, he doesn't have a huge arm. He's got a college arm. But that's that's a lot of quarterbacks in college football. Um, a quick note: uh, it's not a transfer portal leaving, but it's probably going to be a team and, and college football leaving thing. Uh, Marcus Allen, who was at one time, um, uh, at this time last year, was considered to be like one of the top three receivers at Wisconsin and almost a sure starter, and maybe the most talented player on the team, has gone from that to. Uh, Going, entering the transfer portal, coming out of the transfer portal after committing to Minnesota and coming back to Wisconsin, uh, pretty much being very inconsistent and nobody hears from him during spring camp to going to the Mifflin Street block party and getting arrested while intoxicated with a stolen gun. <laughs> so that's a whirlwind journey. Uh, I don't think that Marcus Allen will be playing football for Wisconsin no, anymore. I, I, I'll be shocked if he doesn't get told, hey, you know, we talked about the rule of what Dion's doing at Colorado. If the, if he gets out of legal action, which I'm pretty sure his students, the uh, student guidelines, there's a chance that he may just not be allowed to be a student at Wisconsin anymore with the whole stolen gun thing. I'm assuming that's a felony. Um, um, he might not be available to play yes. football because he might be. Well, he won't be playing. He won't be playing football. But I mean, uh, he, I don't even know if he'll be allowed to be a student at that at the university. Is more. Wait, what we I was shouldn't saying. we shouldn't totally bury him yet. We don't know the story. We know he was intoxicated with a gun, which yeah. you know is is almost certainly a violation of the student code yeah. at least. Yes. Um, uh, but anyway, so Marcus Allen probably not going to be available for Wisconsin anymore. Um, just another quick transfer portal note. Uh, Wisconsin's poking around in the transfer portal looking for different guys. Right now, the, the uh, hot corner for them is literally cornerback and then running back. It seems to be they're pursuing yeah. some guys there. I'm not going to name names. It's a lot of inside information right yeah. now. But I'll bring that to you in the next show, uh, who they managed to get, because I imagine it's going to happen in the next two to three yeah. weeks. And one thing I will say is that 
and one of the other outside surprises here for me, I expected more people leaving after camp. To yes. be quite honest. So I thought I. we would lose seven to 10 people that I figured would look at it and say, we writing's still on the wall. Yeah. yeah well, if it's going to happen the now, other, maybe, they can't go, just, they can't enter the portal until I don't know when they can, when it open, window opens again. Is that after I, the next I season? don't either, but I have a feeling that they may not be on the fall roster in terms of, yeah. you know, you've got a medical scholarship. There could be a few of those guys for sure. I just assume there'd be seven to 10 guys that we would see transfer out. And we I'm, I'm really certain that Luke Fickle is going to pull some inside pool magic. And, you know, those four or five extra scholarships Wisconsin needs to add the mm. players it wants are going to magically become available. Oh, yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll make it happen. Well, but, that was one of the outside things that they talked about with the whole Deion Sanders thing. You can effectively give somebody their scholarship yet and they're just not on the football roster like and that's one of the things that i think yeah that's what i'm referring yeah. to i don't think we're i think we're going to have four or five players who are magically not on the football roster come yeah. uh august when or late july when it gets released yep um uh, finally moving on to 2024 recruiting um wisconsin did get another commit i was getting really really down because outside of kai and barry johnson uh, we had not added anyone really since uh, anyone of significance since, you know, the start of camp. Well, we got one. Uh, Kamir Prescott, who's a safety out of Northeast High School in Philadelphia, uh, 6'1", 190 pounds. One of those big athletic rangy center field types of safeties that can come down into the slot and cover a tight end or, or a wide receiver. Wisconsin hasn't had one of those in ages, and they've got one now. Yeah. So, um, Kamir Prescott, I was very excited to see them get him. I thought for sure it was a last-minute thing. He announced he was going to make a decision the day before he did. No one knew where he was going until the morning before, and then some rumors started to float out. It was looking like Nebraska for a little while there, uh, based off of Twitter follows alone. And he, he skunked us. He fooled us because he went to Wisconsin instead. So, welcome to the 608, Kamir. Um, I hope you turn out to be a great one. This is a safety-centric defense. Yeah, I like him as a player. Uh, looking at his film, he's a guy who I looked at. He's not ultra-sudden. He's, he's pretty smooth. He actually kind of glides a little bit for a big guy who, when you watch him run, he doesn't look like he's going super fast. Mm -hmm. And then you look at everyone around him, and it's like yeah. he's just pulling away from everybody. And he houses everything he touches. Like in the beginning of his his highlight film, it's like he's got interception returns for touchdowns. I think he's got a punt or a kick return that he's got a touchdown on there, a couple wide receiver plays. It's like and very, very rangy. Just can yeah. move all over the field and cover yeah. a ton of ground. Yeah. And with like I said, Wisconsin, when was the last time we had a safety like that? I think we have a couple guys that somewhat fit that. You probably like McAvoy. This is the last guy that probably really truly kind of did that whole running around playing center field. Yeah, I mean, Scott well, Nelson was an in the box safety. Yeah. John Torchio obviously was an in the box safety. Yeah. Um, yeah, we haven't we haven't been blessed with a ton of speed on the back. And I think Wollers and and Trayvon Blackwell and or Blaylock and uh and uh the guys they have this year, Latou has actually got some good speed too. Um, I actually like those guys. Latou Latou's more of a box safety. He just has some some good measurables to him, um, but I I think we have some decent speed. I just think they're they're very well rounded guys. There's not really a guy you'd look at and say this guy's a free safety. They can all kind of do the same same things. Although I think we'd say Wollers is probably the guy that has 
the best combination of football IQ and, and probably physical talent. And then just uh, only two offers went out in this last week. Um, both actually decent offers in terms of what they bring. Uh, Joe Barna, who was a defensive end out of Wheaton North High School down in Illinois. Um, dude's a uh, bigger, uh, he's basically, he's caught in an outside linebacker's body as a defensive end. But he will hit you. Mm-hmm. He will punch you in the face uh, playing defense. I watched his highlight film. Like, I think this kid hits harder than anyone I've seen. Um, so uh, he was one offer that went out a three-star defensive end. This one might actually have some traction. We'll see how they do in defensive line mm-hmm. recruiting. Justin, uh, have you had a chance to look at him? I haven't had a chance to take a look at him. I'm not shocked by the other guy that you're going to be listing here in a second. Oh, yeah. Um, Clearly trying to fill out the uh, offensive line board. It's not going necessarily the way we want it to. But Barna, our defensive line recruiting in general is going to be so interesting this year because we have a a lot of guys that we're chasing that are like we're reaching for the stars kind of, Barna. You know, there's a couple of five stars that we have mm -hmm. official visits that are hopefully coming in. And we'll see how that pans out for us. But with, I, I believe in Greg Scruggs. I think he's a guy, when I look at it from a recruiting standpoint of our coaches, he's one of the guys that I could see turning into an absolute star. And Wisconsin really starting to get some. The big thing here is people need to take a look at it and, and not necessarily look at the rankings. It's going to be the skill sets that we start to see some of the guys come in with. I feel like we're going to see a lot more of the raw guys that need a little bit of physical development that are, are fast length, have some length to them and need to be filled out. We'll probably see a lot more defensive ends come in that are guys that are in the six, four, six, five, two thirty, two twenty range that are just, if they can put 30 or 40 pounds on them are going to be absolute monsters coming around the edge because this defensive line, that they're going to be building is going to be far more of a pass rush line than what we were used to with the previous staff. And uh, on th- I'll say this much for, for Barna, he's not the weight you would like yet, but he's six foot four. Um, and I, I tell you, I saw him hit a quarterback and somersault him. So, I mean, if you're looking for, for just mean out of your defensive ends and I love mean in my offensive and defensive mm-hmm. line, but he's got it. Another guy, the other gentleman that we're going to talk about, Emerson Mandel, who is an offensive tackle slash offensive guard out of Irondale High School in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, The number one, according to most recruiting services, prospect in the state of Minnesota. Wisconsin's in this really late. Yes. Uh, Mandel's been around for a while. Um, uh, He's a four-star player, according to the 247 Composite. I'm very interested as to why Wisconsin decided to jump into this recruitment this late. Uh, other than maybe to, yeah. to, to tick off PJ Flack. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah. This one screams one of those things where it may be one of the kind of needling at him a little bit. I don't like it because as a fan, we have to deal with their fan base. And if they end up grabbing them because we're so late to the game, they're going to hold it over our head that they, they got him over us, even though, I mean, You've probably been recruiting him for a year and a half. We've been recruiting him for a month. And Mandel's a player who is kind of like, uh, who was once considered to be a sure thing for the Golden Gophers, and it's not the case anymore. His recruiting's kind of exploded. 
He and uh, I'm struggling now to remember Wyatt Gilmore is the other player who the Badgers had in for spring. We're going to have in for spring practice, but wound up not having him in. Both are now kind of looking around and looking for other other opportunities, much like a lot of Wisconsin's state top prospects are doing. So we'll see if that ever comes to fruition. But yeah, Emerson Mandel, uh, 6'5", 295, so he's already big and could fit probably virtually every position but left tackle. So one of the it. takeaways, yeah, one <laughs> no, of the takeaways I have with this from the offensive lineman is you're seeing with Bicknell, he likes guys who are close physically. He he wants to see that you can carry the weight and still move well close to it. I know it was one of the the underlying things with Sexton. It's what I kind of figured was going on there was that they just weren't sure if he would be able to add the weight. Kind of proved it at the last second when he put on weight after basketball ended, which was a little too late, unfortunately. Hopefully yeah. they lean, they stay on him. I think that's it's it's worth it. Like if you you don't know how this will play out for sure, he could be a very loyal kid. And then I'm not saying anything against his choice with Penn State, but stay on him. He grew up a Wisconsin fan. Keep leaning on it, make amends there, and try to win him over. Yeah, it would be nice to pull him back into the fold, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, that's all we've got for uh, for this week on the Bucky Cast. Um, you can hear Justin uh, all the time on Lockdown Badgers with uh, Ryan Herrings. Uh, this is the this is our I think third episode where we've had a, a Bucky Cast reunion, <laughs> uh, but never with Justin before. So Justin, it was great to have you back. Yeah, it was fun. Um, go ahead and give a listen to Lockdown Badgers. You can hear Justin and other uh, guest hosts uh, fight it out with Ryan over his love of the Atlanta Braves and uh, <laughs> bizarre obsession with the Phoenix Suns. Um, but anyway, uh, you can follow us at the Bucky Cast on Twitter, or you can email the BuckyCast43 at gmail.com. You can also follow us on YouTube. We unfortunately aren't putting up a lot of YouTube episodes. I'm waiting for Rob to get back, our YouTube expert. <laughs> he's been on the DL for a while, folks, and it doesn't look like he's coming on anytime soon. But we'll try and keep throwing our guest hosts on here and get, keep getting you good content. Uh, until next time, folks. Peace out.